0: Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're gonna dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, welcome back to another interview episode. Today, we're diving deep on a topic I'm incredibly passionate about, which is how true lasting change actually starts from within. I personally have discovered that although there will always be internal work to be done, it is important to unravel the conditioning that most of us have around food and our bodies, which is internal healing is hard and challenging. And although this might be your truth right now, I want to start to empower you to believe that it is often much easier and much faster than you think to shift your internal experience if you have the right tools, techniques, and mindset shifts. Today, I invited one of my dearest friends, Melissa Catherine, to share with us some powerful ways to do this, ways to shift our internal experience, to unlearn and relearn how to honor our bodies and to take a more aware and conscious path to loving our bodies. Melissa is an international speaker, holistic nutritionist, and the best selling author of Eat Right for Your Archetype. She brings an incredible amount of passion to everything she does, and she truly has an inspiring story of healing. So if you are suffering with any aspect of your health, physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually, then you're going to love, love, love this episode. As always, make sure to stay till the end, because I'm going to share some practical things that you can implement this week from what you learn. All right, friends, we're back for another episode. I am so excited to have one of my dearest friends, Melissa Catherine here, sitting across the table from me. We just recorded an episode for her podcast. So we're already in the flow of conversation and so forth. So it's, it's going to be an amazing, amazing episode. I met Melissa four years ago when you asked me out of the blue to be on, we didn't know each other at the time, but you asked me to be on your summit, which was, I don't think I've shared this with you, but it was such a powerful, empowering moment for me because it was when I had just kind of repositioned my business to be about eating disorders. And I was really coming out and sharing my story for the first time. Before that, I always had a retreat company. And I was kind of behind the scenes in my business. And it was the first time I had to come out and
1: share. Oh my God, that's so funny. And you know what? I loved everything you were putting out. Thank you. And I think I saw on Instagram and then I was like, and I I like reached out to you and I was like, I need you on my summit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, it was like the first moment that I had met someone that was so in alignment with what I was talking about and having an entire summit about this conversation really empowered me to say, okay, this is a topic we need to be talking about it really allowed me to like stand in my truth and so thank you so much for that moment. I feel like I feel like it was like divine synchronicity. So yeah. So it was really great to be on that summit and start to share my own story and get to learn about you and the empowering work that you do with thousands of women all over the world. And for those of you who don't know your story or your backstory of really how you Got in this similar line of work of empowering women to shift their relationship with food and their body um, and just find their truth and find who they are and live in alignment. And this idea of wholeness, which is the new brand that you're launching. Well, how did this begin? How did this happen? Tell
1: us a little bit about your journey. right, I'm going to try to keep it brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, and we were talking about this with moms and seeking approval. Not that we're ever pointing the finger, right? But body image and I never had an eating disorder per se by at the time growing up it was more like the only ones there wasn't so many different categories as there are now it was like either you're anorexic or bulimic but i had such a i put immense amount of pressure on myself to be a certain size I remember I always felt like I was the bigger girl even though I was never more than like 10-15 pounds over what if we even want to say overweight but you know just over my friends that I developed earlier so I had curves early I just remember being very aware of my body and my size and feeling not comfortable and confident and there was criticism around my body I know that you know that wasn't my mother's intention love her more than anything it was just Commentary, and I internalized that and had a story around that, and so I really learned at an earlier age to turn to food, and I really turned to emotionally eating. It's like I'm Italian, Irish food is love. Food was around for celebrating, so when I didn't feel good, I found myself turning to food. I didn't realize it until later in life, when then I did what I think a lot of girls do: is you just go into dieting. You're doing what all your friends are doing. And then I became a chronic dieter. And I just thought, oh, this is normal. And then I realized, no, it's not because I'm actually choosing to sit in on a Friday night to eat and essentially binge by myself instead of being out in the middle of Manhattan enjoying the night. And I was like, okay, I went from chronically dieting where I did. I started, we were talking about like just diets in general. And I remember I did. So fast forward from childhood and just kind of having that belief system already in play. Then when I moved to New York City, I was like, okay, now it's time. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to, and I went on Weight Watchers. So then I became obsessed with points and every diet had, every food had points. I still know all the points. And I really got into this space. And then obviously I lost weight but I still was constantly consumed mentally with calories in, calories out. That was everything. And then I got so much attention from my body that I was like, oh, oh, okay. So then I'm gaining all my confidence from my body. And then my family made comments and I seemed to, it's all of a sudden I got looked at in this different light and I liked it. I liked the light. I liked that. All of a sudden, like I felt like I had this like leg up, like in a way I would see women look at me and kind of be like, what's she doing? And then I remember my mom seemed really proud of me. You know, like there were these things that I got from that. And I really got so tied up. My worth was so tied up in my body. And I got really into fitness and all of the things. And I know on the outside that can look really healthy. And I would tell people like, and they go, oh, she's just so healthy. She's eating this. And what are you eating now? But behind closed doors, then I go and binge and the words and the way that I viewed myself, I wasn't happy. And I really call it like I was stuck in this prison. Either I was 10 pounds overweight and beating myself up, or I was constantly I had this strict regimented routine, working out incessantly and making myself wrong by the food that anytime I would eat something, then I would beat myself up. So I saw this and it wasn't until I did a fitness competition where I won the International Natural Body Federation and I thought, oh, I'm just so into learning about the body. I'm going to do this. I won this trophy and I didn't win first place. I won second place, but I went into it just kind of, I gained the weight back in like three months and I was like, oh my God, it has nothing to do. I know the science. I know how to transform. And at this point in time, I was, a, I was an ideal body coach transforming women's bodies in New York and and helping people do this. And I was like, what just happened? And it was so hard body image wise to see yourself get down to that size, see people's reaction to you. And then three months later, they see me and you would just see it all over their face and the shame and the guilt. And that's when it was just resounding. Like I was like, oh, this has nothing to do. I know all the things like, oh my God, I don't need another diet. What I need to do is actually understand what's the underlying root cause. Why don't I want to be with me? And what am I wanting to get from food that I'm not able to give myself? And that's what started really when I got into this world. And then the rebrand with the wholeness was really just bringing women back. I was like, all the work that I've done in this past basic decade it was really always bringing women back to the truth of who they are before they ever thought they were less than, whether it's due to a number on the scale or whether it's a trauma and opening that up to not just a food story, but a bigger story. So that's kind of where, that's how we brought me here today.
0: It's amazing. I think so often women, it's not about their bodies, but there's just an underlying feeling of not being good enough. What you shared, and I'm so grateful that you and other women are starting to have this conversation and starting to actually share their truth, which is someone can look very healthy from the outside physically. And yet that doesn't mean emotionally and mentally that they're okay. I know when I got really sick and the doctors deemed me physically better, they like signed off and were like, oh, she's better. But I'm like, guys, I'm not better. And no one would listen or hear that side of it because everyone's in judgment, right? With the outside perspective of, okay, well, your tests are Okay your weight is okay based on BMI, your statistics are okay versus the rest of the population. But I'm like, guys, I'm suffering more than ever before. And so I love that you share that because I think it's a very, very important conversation to have and something I think we all need to really get out of that self-judgment and the judgment towards others and looking outwardly because the outward, when we look outwardly towards other people and we judge them, it's actually the wound that's happening within ourselves as well. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I love that you just said that too, because there was it was the constant judgment. Um, and it was so hard for me to really I didn't even understand what emotional eating was. Like and and I am sitting there and I'm like, no, I'm just a diet like every girl does this. And then I was like, This isn't good. Like there's something so much more that's needed here. And this fixation I'm just is giving me an out to actually look at what's going on in my life. Like I always say that to clients. I'm like, the dieting is a distraction from what's really there for you. And I wasn't willing to look at what was really there. You know, you lived in New York City. It is an amazing place to, you can buy all the things, you can go out at night. I was, I remember I was drinking too much. I had so many clothes in my closet with tags unworn. And inside, I was just, I wasn't stepping into my truth. I wasn't really, there was so much that I wanted to do, start my business, um, that I was just in the story of I'm not enough. So the I'm not enough story just breeded more of like, well, then we'll just eat because we didn't feel good. Yeah. So powerful. And I also love the fact that we
0: kind of addressed this earlier where the idea of, well, we look around and we see everyone else doing something. So in our head, we normalize it even though when we connect to our truth, we know it isn't right for us, or we know that something is off, or we know that there potentially could be another option, but it takes that courage and that confidence to say, okay, I'm willing to be the one that breaks the norms, be the one that steps away from this conditioning, that dieting is the only answer and the only solution. And so I'm curious for you, like when you started to hear that voice, what were some of the steps that you took? to really start breaking down this cultural conditioning. Because I know specifically too, when you're doing competitions, it's just like ingrained and ingrained and ingrained. And then that neural pathway continues to get that hit of, okay, well, only if I have this size, then I feel this way. And so I'm curious for you, what were the moments and the shifts that started to take place where you started to feel the self-worth, the self-esteem, the self-confidence from other things that were more maybe internally
1: based? Yeah. Such a good question. I, I really had to like. It's something that I could teach my clients, but date myself. I had to actually learn who am I outside of this body. Like take this away, breaking that down. What parts of me do I love? What part of me isn't happy? What is it that I'm wanting to step into? And just allowing myself to just one acknowledge it and actually acknowledge. Like I want to create a business. And I do believe I'm enough to do that. And okay, well, like, what do I like? Like, clearly I'm bored out of my mind with something. I'm buying all these clothes I don't need anymore. At the time I was doing two jobs. I was in fashion and then I had the coaching business. Like, I really didn't need any more stuff. So it was really me learning who I was and starting to go back to that and then dissect And I'm very big on saying this. I'm very big on going back, understand the root cause, but don't live there. Because I did. I totally went there and then I went into victim. Like, I'm this way. So there is a journey, right? Because once you start to unravel these things and then you go, wait a minute, I am this way from conditioning and oh, my mom said that. And then I got angry at my mom. I mean, of course, I was like, oh, and it's a place I just want to caution everybody listening, you know, you don't want to point the finger. It's, yeah, and allow yourself to go into victim because it's another way to make excuses for not actually taking action. And there was a healing that was needed to actually go back to that little girl that was hurt and acknowledge that she didn't feel seen and she was hurt and she's still very much alive in my system needing validation and love and to be seen and accepted right now. You know, I love that, you know, our subconscious mind stops forming after the age of eight and really recognizing that we're all eight-year-old with our beliefs and any past hurt, joy, anything from eight and from the time of we, we were born until eight years old, that's where we operate from. And that I was operating from unhealed pain that was coming up to be healed. Yeah,
0: it's so important. And
1: I think it's What I also love is
0: just that you took the steps to actually move through it. Like so many people are, again, we're so terrified of addressing the parts of ourselves that we might not love. We might not, we might have shame about or guilt about. And that's why we were talking about earlier, meditation and journaling is so terrifying to most because it's those moments where you have to say, oh, wow, this is part of who I am. And this is the story in which I'm operating from, which is impacting my habits my belief systems and so forth. And then it impacts my behavior. What were some of the tools and techniques that you started to do and just live from that really started to make that shift? Because I think things can happen instantly. And I think often too, like I love this idea that you don't have to go back and live there, which again becomes the victim. But I think what happens often is people get stuck in the, again, stuck in the victim or stuck in the the day-to-day of just like looking externally and saying, well, it's my partner, it's my work, it's my relationships, it's my everything else. And then we're not taking responsibility and we're not realizing it's overwhelming. Yeah. It's overwhelming because then we actually have to step into a different life. And so what does that transition look like? And what are some tools to get them from the belief, the mindset to actually potentially having to leave their career, having to move into a new relationship, having to say goodbye to a city, having to move away from their parents, like whatever that is. I know that those things sometimes take time, but what are some things that you recommend to your clients to help them get to that place where they have that courage?
1: Yeah. So um, it's such good questions. So first, when it comes to the change, right? Like Taking responsibility, I think the reason why people want to go into the quiet is because they get very overwhelmed because the life that they want to be living, the body that they want to have, the health, they're sitting there and they're going, okay, wait, I'm responsible for this. That feels really heavy. And to change that feels really heavy because I want so much to change because I'm not happy. Like I want, that's something that I always hear from people is I just want the change to happen. Like I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. And I'm like, but it is happening. You don't need to be ready for it because it's happening and you just need to keep being in the space of, I know that it's happening. I'm in full faith that's happening. I'm an active participant in the happening, right? So when it comes down to techniques and things, when I started, there weren't really people that were helping with this. It was either like intuitive eating, which if you have a relationship with food, like I always say, if you have a relationship with food, if you struggle with your weight for more than a year, you... Don't have a weight issue, you actually have a relationship with food and a lack of one with yourself. So, if you have a relationship with food, then intuitively eating can be quite challenging. So, I remember intuitive eating. I'm like, I'm doing that and I'm giving myself the grace and I'm also not stopping, you know? Um, so, I was like, what? Why do I not want to stop? Why do I want to make myself so full? Why? So, going through. So, I did an investigative process and I really sat and, like you and I talked about earlier on my podcast about having journals. I had a journal and I really sat with my feelings and there were four that I always asked before I would consume anything. What is going on for me? Or am I really hungry right now? What's going on in my life right now? Is food gonna solve this problem? Is it gonna help it or hurt it? And what can I do instead in this moment that's aligned with who I choose to be? and what I want. And the more that I started to understand the emotional relationship, the emotional desire that I was seeking and really live and recognize, I gained clarity in the gaps, right? So I always say where there's lack, you'll fill the gaps with food, with buying, with whatever your thing is, right? Social media. And so that clarity, it was an investigative process that got me really clear. Like when I had mentioned dating myself to go like, who am I and what is the life that I want? Take away all of society. Take away what my mom and dad think I should have. Take away, you know, thinking I need to be married or as an entrepreneur, where my business should be. Take all this stuff away. What do I want? And what would make me happy? And like, who am I now? So that investigative process was really beautiful. The other thing that was a game changer for me, I loved... Marianne Williamson wrote a book, 21 Spiritual Lessons to Weight Loss. That was the first that opened me up to, I had done A Course of Miracles and we could talk more about spirituality and how that played a significant role in this. But that's when I really started to see too that so much of this was I wasn't in a loving partnership with myself. And what I was seeking was that partnership through food and nothing can, if we can't love you, no substance can. So in that, I also got introduced to mirror work. And mirror work, I was fortunate to actually mentor a bit with Louise Hay and she taught me about mirror work. And that was huge because I stood in front of a mirror and had to actually take all of me in. And I looked deep within the art of mirror work is this, you look deep within your own eyes, preferably naked or which can be quite jarring. And you repeat to yourself, you know, I love you. You're perfect exactly as you are. I, you can say whatever affirmation, but that for me, I, those simple words, I broke down in tears. And generally, I find, and I always tell clients, you're either going to want to laugh, you're going to want to cry, or you're just going to go, this is silly. Like, I'm not doing this. And I showed up and did that for months and I didn't see or feel a change. And I just kept doing it and doing it and taking in all of me and from head to toe. And until one day I walked by the mirror and I was like, girl, you look good. And I was like, yeah, I do. And then I was like, whose voice is that? You know? And I was like, that's me. And that's when I met myself.
0: I love that. I did that too. That's so interesting. It's so crazy because for me, I was so terrified to ever see myself. Like if someone took a picture of me, I was the girl who would like run to the camera and be like you can't post that. You can't post that. You oh can't my post gosh, that. One. Yeah. Or I would be the one that's like you're not going to put that on Facebook, right? That was me like I was always wanting to control my image yeah. and how I was seen and I had this fear that if I looked a certain way people would judge me. And I love the fact that you
1: said that it took you years because it was years or months. It took me months to recognize the difference. I still go back to mirror work. I like if there's something, especially when I'm really wanting to up-level something and that voice can come back. Yeah. I mean, me and my rear view mirror, I'm like, what's up girl? I'm like, you're amazing. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's so profound.
0: I, even when I was healing from my breast implant illness and I didn't realize how disconnected I was in terms of Recognizing the anger from my past and how I got these implants and suppressed the anger. And then when I was getting them out, how frustrated I was with myself for making this choice. I had to go back to the mirror and I had to say, with or without these implants, standing there naked, nothing else on, like, I'm gonna love myself without these, without this part of myself that I have really come to love, which were my implants. Like, I, and I have no shame around saying that. Like, I loved the way that they looked. And so for me, it was one of those things coming back to the moment of saying, oh my gosh, I have to confront this head on. And and it's not easy. And I find so many of my clients, I'm sure yours too, that like go to the mirror and they're just nothing, can't see Most women
1: don't look at themselves. Right. They get dressed in the morning, they bypass the mirror. They'll look at themselves when they're brushing their teeth, putting their makeup on, but to actually take in their body or even take themselves in after they've put clothes on, it's like a quick glance, which is really, it's like a slap across the face. It's like, you're not acknowledging your own existence or that you deserve to be told that you're beautiful even by yourself. Right. It's, um, it makes me sad. Yeah, Yeah. It really makes me sad. And what makes me the most sad is
0: like when we're not connected to our bodies and we're not loving it and able to even stand in the mirror and be proud of who we are, that shows up in every area of our life. Like it shows up and indirectly and I think subconsciously, we don't even realize how it shows up with our boss asking for a promotion or in our receiving in general. and receiving.
1: Like when you were just talking about your breast implants, I mean, I just went through another, I went through a cancer scare recently, again, of a reoccurrence, but, and the first time that I went through thyroid cancer, it was painful for me to ask for help. I couldn't even being a coach, being in that space, teaching about the art of receiving. I looked back and. I remember not wanting to call people because I'm like, I don't want to be a downer. Like I'm just, and people offering to help me, um, even just closing off and not even really asking for help and support. There was so much. So it's been, it's a constant thing to really just go to recognize it and reiterate to myself as I do to my clients, like I'm deserving and worthy that every person is every day of everything that they, of love, of happiness, of joy, of every desire. But yeah, I even look back, I mean, that was like three years ago and I had a really hard time just receiving. Um, And that all receptivity, I mean, that's really comes from our left side, right? Our left hands, our receptivity channel, and that's our female. And it's, that's like our divine right. And I think that as women, especially we get conditioned so early on to give, to give, to give and kind of be the last, last on that list. Do you think there's also just a lack
0: of like tribe and community? Like that's what I see so often is like, we're scared because of this like disconnect of receiving, giving and receiving within community and connection. And that's another big thing that I've noticed a lot with my clients is like, there's just a lack of it. So it's like, if you ask, you're selfish. And if you don't give, you're not going to be loved.
1: Yeah. And that's another thing that, I mean, I've been very fortunate. I've had amazing females in my life. I've always had wonderful groups of friends, really, really blessed. And I can't tell you, like, it makes me really sad when I do, I hear a lot of women that have views of other women of like, they're not going to be happy for me. Or even actually one of the things that, as you know, I studied with Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts, and she taught celebrating. And you actually go in and brag, like you're supposed to brag. And I remember the first time I'm like, and somebody said back to me and they're like, well, bride. And I'm like, no, no, I wasn't meaning to brag. No, I was just, you know, it was just a really exciting night. And and she's like, no, no, you're, this is something that we do here. And I loved it. And now I always will talk about it and give, attribute it back to her. And in my community, we always have celebrate and I celebrate with my friends as well. And I have all my clients, but it's a muscle that as women, we have to strengthen that it's not that it we should be saying, like, I feel pretty today. Oh my God, something great happened. Can I tell you about it? And trust and know that your sisters are in full support and that they want to see you succeed, that they want you happy and that they're, and I think there's an evolution too. I think we're really fortunate to be in this space and to be in community of other women that are awakened and evolved to that place where if they are judging or triggered in some way that they can recognize that within themselves and not, but I don't, that's not the norm. And I think that's what it needs to become. It does. And I think we're terrified that if
0: we're having a great day and someone else isn't having a great day, I see this so often with women. It's like, if we're celebrating our life fully and embodied in our beauty and presence and truth, and the person next to us isn't, then we're going to make that person feel bad. And really it's an invitation to come forward and stand with us in it. And I think that needs to shift culturally. I was at a mastermind yesterday and one of the women who is so empowered and so aligned in her truth, she was like, she started to apologize in terms of her greatness for this year. And then she brought it back and she was like, I'm gonna take a moment to like, actually just take this in and be proud of what I accomplished. And we were celebrating her and so forth. But even her, she had this like moment where she was challenged by it. And I think we have to shift that because it's like, if we're not here to celebrate each other and celebrate our lives, like, what are we doing?
1: What are we doing? Right. And, and also I always say when somebody else is celebrating, that's also a sign of good fortune to come for you, right? Like that's also people around and that's, we want to be there in celebration of our sisters. We want to be there. And yeah, I mean, it's, again, it also goes back to like that whole, just love, like it's, it's circulating love. If we're all one, then why would you want to hide your good fortune and the amazingness of who you are that's only doing a disservice because you were given specific gifts and not sharing them or dimming your light in any way isn't helping anybody. And I definitely, that's one of the things that I love. And really, I hope all women get to experience beautiful relationships with women. We need our friendships. We need that. Hey
0: there friend, are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstuart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never ever miss any details of our new project's products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. Was there a lot of like boundary setting for you and cutting people out of your life?
1: And was that part of your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I was, again, I've been fortunate to have good friends um, that, you know, I have friendships from age five. And at that time in particular, yeah, there were, you know, when you need to cut people out because when you spend time with them, you actually feel depleted and maybe they text you and you're like, ah, I should call them back. So, yeah, I had to go through that process. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't super hard because it was like they weren't meant to be there. You know, it was like there was a a season and. There were some that I had to have conversations, but others, it was just could allow just the dissolving of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of like, we only have so much capacity or energy.
0: Yeah. And unless you create space, which I think people get so terrified of, of like letting things go, but like, there's no room to attract something new unless you allow something exactly to be dissolved or to let go or to create that space. And sometimes the biggest blessings and the things that we attract Are because we've allowed the energetic space
1: for that thing to come forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also going, what do I want in my world? What do I want to experience each day? Do I want to be around people that are constantly complaining and looking at the glass half empty? And because it does impact you. I don't care how positive and happy you are. It starts to, you feel it, you can feel their energy, and it taints your outlook. And as strong as we can be, and no, my view is this. You sit there day after day. And so you just really going like, what are the quality of the relationships? What just like the podcasts we listen to, music, everything else, what do I want to be filling my mind with? And is it always going to be me having to cut negative chatter when I'm with somebody? That's not really a give and take. That's not a loving exchange all the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a hard one. And I feel like I've strengthened my ability to do it over time. And I feel like I'm more conscious and aware of how much greater my life will be and my impact will be if I do create stronger boundaries. But it's definitely not easy. I wanted to circle back to To this process, which you've been open about on social media and you've been sharing with your community. And I just love your grace and your courage in sharing about your cancer and your journey through it and your healing. And I just wanted to dive into that. And more specifically, when you had this voice and this place of intuition where you're like, I have to go to the doctor and you just knew that you needed to go, and what allowed you to be able to hear that and kind
1: of that journey through that. Yeah, well, just like you with coming back and healing, um, in order to heal the body, you have to connect in and acknowledge its existence, right? And notice that you're not two different people, right? I often find that women, especially when they've dieted, it's like, I'm here, but my body's there. You know, like, I want this, but my body should be doing this. So really in that connection and connecting back in and loving my body and respecting it respecting it meant, you know, eating nourishing food, taking time with myself, pampering myself, not forcing myself to do workouts if it didn't feel right. Like nothing from a place of like pain or judgment. So in that connection, then I got to a place where I would, I kept hearing this voice and I'd say, get your throat checked. And it seemed crazy to me because I had no symptoms. I had no lumps. And um, when I moved to California, I'd gone to new doctors and you know, I was setting up appointments and I was just like, can you just check my throat? Like, they're like, there's nothing there. Are you having anything? And I just said, no. And, um, and then I just, you know, I had three doctors just go, there's nothing, like no reason for this. And I just said, whatever we need to do, I'd rather there's a voice and I'm going to trust it. And I think that's where I would love for all women to get. To where you have such conviction and trust in your own intuitive guidance, as because intuitive guidance, as you know, it doesn't always make sense. In fact, 90% of the time it doesn't. And that voice, that divine guidance, you have to trust it and act in accordance with it. And that's when we strengthen the muscle to know in that and believe in that and just go, this makes no sense right now, but I'm going to do it because I'd rather not the alternative, right? And so... Um, I I went and then I ended up having thyroid cancer and I'm really, I'm so grateful because it was wanting to spread and it became the greatest gift. And I just spoke about this in a podcast that I did on on turning hardships into healing and the greatest gift because I was really committed in that time. I was at the height in my business for that time. And I was like, everything's working, everything. And it brought me to my knees. And I was just like, clearly there's a reason, right? Illness is, is to have you stop and take pause because you're not listening to the other sides. And clearly I wasn't. And so I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be doing things differently. And let me look at what that is. And I was going really fast in my business and working all the time. And I was having very little connection with myself, connection in general. I was getting my fulfillment from my client's success. And really my own quality of life. I was going through even that. I was going, I was like, no, I eat clean and I'm working out. So I'm taking care of me. I learned very clearly that self love and pampering, you know, getting a manicure and a pedicure is not self love. You know, it's doing a kind thing for yourself. But when am I taking time with me? Where am I taking time with my body? Where am I relaxing? Where is my refueling? Where is my spiritual time? And so that's really when I had my spiritual awakening. That's when I had always been intuitive as we all are. And when I was younger, I remember just knowing things and my mom would be like, how do you know these things? You know, and I remember very clearly too, when I cut that connection because it scared me. And I felt like I was being called to something that I didn't want. I remember just being like, I don't want to be a nun. Cause that was like the only thing at that time. And I was like, I want to be a nun. I want to get married. And I don't want to be poor, okay? So like, you know, because my upbringing being Catholic, it was like, Jesus, and anybody that was in the healing space as a child, you were basically poor and like, gave your life over. And I was like, I don't want that. And so I came full circle. And um, yeah, and then it's my guides and angels and just a lot. I really opened up to that whole world that I really had known about, but wasn't actively in living. Um, it would have a crystal here and there, but I mean, I meditated and but this was going to a whole other level where it was you know a few hours a day, and yeah, I don't know if that's answering your question. oh my
0: gosh, it's amazing, and you know, I love this idea that self love isn't always the easy thing, sometimes it can be the hardest things we have to do, and it's like it's like often we're like, okay well, self love is that pizza or the diet soda or the thing that's just like easy that we think that we desire but self-love is actually what we need. It's not what we're desiring. It's like, it's sometimes what we're desiring, but most of the time it's what we actually need to heal, to create a greater sense of well being, to get to a place where we're in full alignment with our truth and it's discomfort often.
1: I mean, I had to allow for like a full unraveling of everything I'd known because again, going back to that programming, especially like, again, being women, you know, it was like, I want to have it all. And I want to like, do this. And the rate that I was operating, my idea of slowing down was somebody else's idea of going at like 200% and really peeling back every story and every goal and going, wait a minute, is that really what I want for my business? Or was that just because my business coach and everybody in my mastermind's doing that? And is that really what I want for my body? Is that really the li- like quality of life? What are my goals? Like, What is it that's mine? And if I'm creating all of this What am I doing? Like, what do I want it to feel like? And I had to strip myself down to everything. And then it was me. And for me, I do believe in God. I believe God's in you. I believe God's everywhere. And faith is such a huge part because with cancer, faith was all that I could rely on. And I had to like let go of half of my business and just really allow myself to fall completely apart. I have no words.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just like, (gasps) yeah. It's so beautiful too, that you've created such a, like, I just like keep coming back to this like thing of just like, sometimes the hardest, I can't believe I'm going through this, like the thing that wakes us up. And we hear about these hero journeys. We hear about these like moments when we're in it and it's so hard. And I just am like, if you're listening or you're in that, or you're struggling with it, or you're faced with something, it's like, from that is the light from that is the moment of saying okay, well, how is my life meant to be and how do I shift and how do I pivot in this moment? And I feel like we have these wake-up calls and if we don't take them, I know this was true for my life so many times, if we don't take them and we don't do what you did where you like shut it down, look at it from a very honest, truthful place, it's just gonna keep showing up until we do
1: wake up. And absolutely. And like, I really just had to sit there and commit over and over that there's a greater plan at play And I have two options. Either I go victim to this and this is what takes me down or I make this the greatest gift and I take the gifts in this and I slow and how can I trust that this is meant for me? And there was a lot of judgment. I can't tell you how many people were like, how did you get cancer? You know, you're so healthy. You're so like, you know, and just really having to go, okay, I have to go through like the stages of grieving who I once was to get to who I want to be, which is like, Brings me back to something you had asked me earlier is like, how do we get to that place of like wholeness? How did I get out of that? And the greatest thing, and even now for me, as I transcend and and up-level and continue to grow is go, okay, who do I want to be? Because I can't become who I want to be from where I've been. And I can't become who I want to be if I operate from that same mindset from doing, and that was an unraveling because as animals by nature were so routine. So I'd get up early, do the and I was like, you're gonna stay in bed today and you're gonna lay here and you're gonna go as slow as you can go, which for somebody like me is I'm like, I like to go fast. So I'm like, okay, and I'm gonna take and I'm gonna do all the things. I'm gonna go slow. And I was put on bed rest. And it's like you can't like walking was a lot. And I kept after one surgery, I'm like, so I can get back to me, right? So it was a process. But I had to really operate from that model of be do have. Who do I need to be, right? What are the things that I need to do then to have what it is that I want? And that I had to really go. Okay, who is she, you know? And it was like, uh, yeah, it was a whole other thing. And I think, but what a gift, right? Like, same thing with you. Who am I without these implants? Oh wait, who do I get to be now? Like, and how do I get to feel? And you get to like. I think that's the coolest thing as humans and as women. I think as women, we're so, we're such epic creatures that it's like you get to recreate and choose that path over and over again. Each day we get to wake up, you get two paths. Do you want to empower yourself or disempower yourself? Which one do you choose? You know? Yeah.
0: And the disempowerment is just staying in the same habitual pattern. It's literally saying, I'm choosing to not reprogram these beliefs. I'm choosing yeah. to not stand in my courage. I'm choosing to not step into a new way of being because a fear or lower vibration or pain or struggle or a story that isn't even my story. It's a story that's been projected on me that I have taken on as a human. And I think when we actually can take ourselves out and say like, this is just the story. It's an illusion. The story is operated based on someone else's experience. And what I find so fascinating is like that people actually said to you in fascinating and like a sad sort of way of like, who or Howard, did you get this cancer? Because that's a projection of their own
1: fear. Like it's their fear of like, well, I did a post on Facebook and I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to do many more of these because I mean, there were so many. Um, and it's kind of like, okay, how do babies get cancer? Like, would it, you know, but it goes back to just like what you were saying, which is like waking up and that choice. Like that's where like what you share, like in your meditation and the mirror work, we have to intercept that voice first thing in the morning. And that's how we reprogram and really sit in like those mindfulness techniques of like the visualization, you know, the meditation, the breath, breathing in, breathing out, and consciously choosing, I want to operate from a different way. And I'm going to feed my mind what I want, not what's already there. And that's how, we, I, that's how I really believe. That's how I transcended the illness. And that's how I turned it into a gift that then has allowed me so much. And like, because the spiritual awakening was the intuitive, the gifts and how powerful they've and deepened and grown. And the way that I've been able to support clients by combining that in with the work and, and myself. Like, it's just, it's such a gift. I can't even...
0: Yeah. And I think it's so powerful to have this conversation because if you have someone in your life or someone that's going through a hardship, also on the other side of that, becoming conscious and aware of how your fears are being projected onto that person and how you can support them from a place of love and compassion and just saying, whatever someone's going through, it's divine intervention. It's like a blessing to them that they're going through this hardship and they're going through this struggle. I know I'm with my dad right now going through his bankruptcy, I'm like, this is a blessing for him. Like it's bringing him to his knees of like having to, at the end of his life, having to face this. And and a lot of people were like, don't you feel so sorry for him that this is, you know, this is happening at the end of his life. And after he built this massive business and I'm like, it's divine intervention in his life. This is perfect for him at this moment for some reason. And he's going to come out of the other side a beautiful human because of it, or maybe more aware or more conscious. Or and I think projecting our fears and and feeling sorry for people actually isn't uplifting them. Like I love the quote by I think it was Mother Teresa who was like, "I can't get sick enough to to help the sick, and I can't get poor enough to help the poor." And it's, yeah, and it's like we have to uplift people from a place of like empowerment and love and connection and truth, and just saying like, "I'm not going to allow my projections and fears to be." placed on you. And I'm going to trust in making the hardship into the most beautiful, epic.
1: Yeah. And that's a choice. It's, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm sorry that people said that to you. It breaks my heart a little bit. Yeah. No, I it it is. I knew it was, I mean, at the time though, it was, I'm not going to, you know, when you're going through stuff like that, you're kind of like, wow, ouch. And then fortunately we know enough. I, I know that I'm just like, that's them and they didn't meet, you know, but it's a really good, I think just awareness. Yeah. Awareness of self.
0: Yeah. And awareness that again, the mind and the body aren't separate. So you could be doing everything right. Physically, you could be working out every day. Like the theme of this podcast, which we started with, it's like, you could be doing everything in terms of cryo and like going to the gym and taking all the supplements and doing the IVs. And if you're Emotions or your feelings are off or there's something buried on a subconscious level, or you're pushing too hard in work or you're not realizing that certain habitual habits are running and operating the the emotion and the, the mental experience that's happening is just as powerful as the physical. so I love that we're having that conversation. I'm curious in terms of pivoting your business, and now I want to hear about wholeness and how you're basically empowering women today if
1: that happened during no, it was or, um, after. Well, in, um, I realized that the work that I was doing, I loved and that I had evolved deeper in a different direction with it as well. And that that was what I wanted to start to teach and really get into the sacred feminine work. Um, like I ran a retreat in Argentina last year. The good friend of mine called the Sacred Feminine and really understanding a new way of doing things. I really had to let go of this masculine way of building a business from achievement and action and drive and going back to connection and flow and freedom and fun and what's lighting me up versus what somebody else told me they think I should do. And am I trusting myself? Am I making decisions for myself? And I'm connected to my body in this way, but am I really using that barometer for all areas of my life? And I would hear so many women resonating with me And they would write me and say, I resonate so much, but I don't have a food issue, but I'd love to work with you. I'd love to do your programs. And I realized I need to open up this conversation because at the end of it, it's never about food and it's never just about weight. It's about feeling a lack of believing that you're enough and believing that you're deserving and worthy of the things that you desire and doing and healing and transforming from the inside out and really creating that relationship with yourself and being empowered in your life and not thinking you know, that anything's outside of you. And so once I saw that, I kept going, I'm always bringing women back to their truth, bringing women back to the truth of who they are before this ever happened. Because we can all go back to a root. We can all go back to whether it's a big T trauma, a little T trauma, or some belief system or something that we were told where something that we wanted or some part of us was too much or not enough or something that we wanted was too big. And then we started living into that. And, you know, I always say if I could give all women a lobotomy and go back in and be like, you're enough exactly as you are. You can be, do, have anything you desire and so much more. It's all available to you. I would. And so I was like, okay, I can't do that, but I can show you how. And so that's where wholeness is. Yeah.
0: What's flashing back for me is this vision of me in my teenage years, which I kept pushing under the rug and thinking this isn't a big deal. And I think we have to begin to address the fact that like it doesn't matter what happened to you if it's impacting your relationship with your body, with food, with your well-being with who you are as a human and how you show up for the world, it's worth addressing. And so for me, I like being bullied as a teenager. I was like, teenagers will be teenagers. Boys will be boys. Girls will be boys. I like pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. I never addressed it. I was like, it's silly. It's not a big deal, whatever. And then the more that I dug it up, I'm like, this really, really had an impact on my ability to trust women, my ability to be in community and connection. And as I've healed that, I realized that like for so long, I was just in so much shame that I would allow teenagers doing silly, the quote unquote silly things, but it actually was very traumatic for me. Um, And so I just want to give permission to the listeners. And that's why I love your work so much. It's like, doesn't matter what it is. It could have been a teenager- It could have been a mentor. It could have been someone growing up, a teacher that said something to you growing up as a little child. It could have been your mom, your dad, your cousin, your sister, your colleague. Like it could have happened to you literally two weeks ago, and if it's impacting who you are today,
1: it's worth taking a look at. If it brings in emotional, so everything you just mentioned is what we'd call like little t traumas, right? And like I think that so many women have a misconception that trauma needs to be abuse, rape, and yes, that's a big t trauma. It's a trauma. And if there's something that evokes an emotional response in you, where you go to talk about it and it's still, you know, is living within you, then it is unhealed and it is a trauma. And the more that you keep it there unhealed, you will operate from that place. You will be in that space where you go, oh, I was doing so well and I don't know what happened. And then this, and that trigger will be there and it will bring you back until time and time again, until we actually address and just look at it. And I think there's such a fear. That if you, and I hear this all the time too, like, I'm afraid that if I stop, I'm afraid that if I look at it, if I start crying, I won't stop. If I look at that, I'm afraid of where it will go. Can't tell you the number of women that I talk to that I go, that say to me, I think I may have been molested, or I think I may have had sexual trauma, and I'm like afraid to go there, but I just have this feeling. And there's a lot of fear that if you open up, you know, Pandora's box, right? that then it's not going to stop. And I just really want all the listeners to get, guys, beautiful ladies, go there. You have no idea. It can be so simple. It can just be the acknowledgement and you can move through it. And some, yes, some take some time and some won't go there at all, but they will always live there and be active. And it's what I call, it, it will steal your joy. I call them like joy stealers where you don't even know, but they're just living there detracting from the joy in this moment until we actually address them. And it's in that healing that you can experience the greatest gifts on this earth and just fully see yourself in your divine light as the epic, incredible woman that you are. And you
0: probably don't even know the amount of joy you have access to. So like I was on a vacation this last summer and my girlfriend was like, do you, do you realize that you would have a lot more joy if you just did some more work around your mom and like healing your relationship with her? And, and I'm like, and at first I got super, and we were in a safe space and I love this woman deeply. And she's, She's one of my best friends, but I, at first I got triggered because I'm like, I'm one of the most joyful people you will ever meet. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, what if she's right? Like, what if I believe that I've done all this work and I'm accessing this amount of joy, but what if there's another level that I haven't even experienced yet? I think, I think we always have access to more like joy and love, connection, inspiration, creativity. And it's just like, it's just like pulling the layers back. And that was like a huge eye opening thing to me. Cause like I get plateaued and I think a lot of us do where we're like, life is great. Life feels good. So even if you're in that place and you're not witnessing this like sort of pain or frustration, there might still be another level that you can
1: access that you don't even know yet. Isn't it interesting how you think like, oh, well, when well, well, I'm happy, I don't need to do anything. And it's like, why not just do it from a place of joy for the joy of where you get to go within yourself and not seeing it as work or something wrong with you, but as a gift to the greatest you?
0: hundred percent. And like, why not just continue to do the self-development where read the books, take the workshops, go to the classes, join your programs, like do the things that really, really, really will get you to that, to that next level of happiness and activate within you these spaces where you know, you can go to when shit goes down, when things happen. Like my teacher's always like, you don't meditate for like the day to day you meditate for when shit goes down. Cause then you actually have it in you to ground yourself and the ability to access that place of self-love and self-worth. Like you've always stuff
1: and they, and they feel good. It's always like, or, or there's this point where I hear women they go, well, then I'll be done. Right. And it's like, there's joy in getting to discover yourself. Like we're constantly evolving, you know, Um, and no, you're never, done, we're human. And here's the thing, hate to say it, whether you want to be done or not, life's going to bring you where it's going to bring you. So either you want to have the faculties, the community, the support, the joy and the journey, or, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I always encourage. It doesn't matter where you are, like continue to look within dive deep, see the places and trust that just one step at a time. How can people find out about your work? What are you launching? Like, what
1: are you working oh my on? Gosh. What are some um, things that they can, I they mean, can you can check for? out my wholeness podcast yeah. and you'll see Sarah there. Yeah. yeah. at Wholeness with Melissa Catherine and we have wholeness retreats. We have a lot of different things. So I can share in the links below and different programs and things that'll be coming out that you can definitely check out. Yeah. And I've said
0: this before on other podcasts and I'll say it again, like so often people want the tribe, they want the connection, they want the community, but you actually have to have the courage to get on the plane and like go meet those women who are in the same space going through the same stuff. And like, it takes that initial step. And I, for most of my life, I was terrified to like get on the plane. And like, I was the one who backpacked alone and I was like, (laughs) don't want to get too close to anyone. I can get myself out if I need to. But like, I can't recommend your retreats any more than I do, because I'm just like, it's so important that women come together and they share from a place of vulnerability. They share from a place of their pain and they come together in joy. And so if you're listening and you want an epic experience, I highly recommend checking out the links below. And thank you for being here. It's such a thank pleasure so always for having me. to I jam with you.
1: I love talking to you.
0: Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's amazing. And we we'll, I'm sure we'll do another podcast at another point, but um, thanks guys for being here. Thanks for tuning in to another amazing podcast. All right, friends. I know this episode was jam-packed with mindset shifts and powerful ways you can upgrade your life, but before you go, I want to encourage you to take one action step with you this week. To shift your relationship with your body. Of all the actionable items Melissa recommended, I highly recommend doing the mirror work. I know this might sound terrifying, but as you heard, it worked for her and myself, and I've seen it work without fail for dozens of other individuals. When we take the time to truly confront the part of ourselves that we're terrified to witness, the beauty in us that we're terrified to witness, We start to notice the thought patterns, beliefs, and stories that need to change. And only when we feel into that resistance and move through those beliefs can we upgrade how we view ourselves and create lasting change. The most important thing to remember is that you're always going to have judgment, but that is okay. By doing this work, you will slowly start to fall in love with what you see in the mirror, which will allow you the ability to be able to access your internal wisdom that you truly are unique and beautiful. At the end of the week, reflect back and identify one key thing that you need to let go of that is blocking your internal love. And from this awareness, trust that you know what adjustments you need to make to your life to deeply love your body. Because as Melissa shared today, your relationship with your body is an inside out process and it takes awareness. I want to know how this practice works for you. So please send me a message on Instagram at Sarah Ann Stewart and let me know if you tried it and what shifted for you. And if this podcast inspired you or moved you in any way, I would love it if you could share it with just one person that needs to hear this message to keep the movement growing. Thank you so much again for being here. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.